As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Today's podcast is presented in part by Portatree. I use Portatree products personally to help me become the best racer that I can be. From the Pocket Pal to a full-size national event tree, Portatree has quality products to meet our needs. Remember to use the promo code DRAGPOD10, which will give you 10% off all orders through October. In addition, today's podcast is presented by Racing RVs. Based near Dayton, Ohio, Racing RVs is your source for quality new or used trucks, motorhomes, and trailers. Whether you're buying, selling, or trading, make Racing RVs your first call. Welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. Introducing your hosts, the multi-time world champion, Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. And the golden voice of drag racing, Big Jed, Jared Pennington. Hello everyone and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's cool hand Luke Bogacki. Thank you for finding us wherever you find your podcast and allowing us to be a small part of your day. The Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast will be a weekly review of what's happening or what has happened in sportsman racing. Luke and I will be talking about all of the hottest topics, drivers, and events in racing today. Luke, what's up, bud? Licking my wounds from the weekend, Big Jed. How about you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I could say the same thing. It was a rough one on me. It was good to have Big Red back and get on the racetrack, and it performed pretty well, but some tough racing. And Luke, I don't know if you noticed it, you were pitted about three spots or four down from me. It was really hot in my pits. Was it hot where you were parked? Yeah, really yeah. hot. Uh, it it uh, really didn't bother me too bad Friday or Saturday. Sunday was hot. Yeah, it was. Sunday was really rough. But recovering from the weekend, and, uh, you know, I, I had quit racing on the way home. 
Sunday, but uh, I'm I'm ready to go back, man. I'm I'm fired up and can't wait to get back to Huntsville next weekend. Amazing what 48 hours will do. Good deal. Uh, (laughs) No, it was good to see Big Red back. It looked great. And you, I, I can't say that our uh, our parking spot wasn't bad. Like there was winners all around us. Like yeah, I mean we were what three trailers away, and to the north, south, and west of me, that's where all the money yeah. went. It just missed yep. our trailer entirely. <laughs> yes, it did. It missed mine as well. But it was it was a good time parking with the winners anyway. It was. It was fun. Big show today. We don't have a guest today because, quite frankly, we don't have time. We got a lot to talk about, Jed. I I don't know if you've looked at the show notes that Mark has put together for us, but this is pretty ambitious. (laughs) We've got NHRA National Event in Brainerd, division races in Seattle and Cecil County, plus two key IHRA events as that point season winds down. Bracket racing results from Huntsville, where we were at, and the Drag Race Results Ultimate Series, as well as Beaver Springs Dragway in central Pennsylvania. So, a lot to get to, but as always, let's start off by telling everybody who's hot. He's on fire! It's time for Who's Hot in Sportsman Drag Racing. Seabird Performance, who's hot? Seabird Performance does it all. Competition engine building, quality machine work carburetors, and more. Sabre Performance is also a stocking dealer for Cali's, Wiseco, Comp Cams, Moroso, Holly, Nitrous Express, and more. Call Luke Siebert at 785-286-6813 or email siebertperformance at gmail.com. Who's hot, Luke? Jed, this was a tough one this week. Had a lot of probably worthy candidates. I'll give a shout out to Gary Stinnett to Justin Lamb, to Kyle Coltrera, Pete Dagnolo, Cooter Hidalgo. We'll talk about all of their success as we go. But uh, when we broke this down, we were in agreement, Jed. You can call it recency bias. You can call it location bias. But we got to see this show firsthand, and we had to go with Mikey Bloomfield. Yeah, I love Mike. I mean, not only did he win the 50 in – an extremely tough day weather-wise and competition level-wise, but he did it in grand fashion, Luke. I mean, it was a very impressive driving performance. It was. It, it, I think, beats all I've ever seen at a race of that caliber. But we picked Mikey for three reasons. Number one, he won the biggest race of the weekend. $50,000 win, main yeah. event at the Dragger's Results Ultimate Series event in Huntsville. Number two, I don't know that it's necessarily like how we've normally done who's hot. Like usually we're getting somebody that got two finals in a weekend or is, you know, won a couple weekends in a row. But Mikey has had an exceptional season. Yes, he has. Uh, just two weeks ago, he and G-Dub split and quit 15 grand final in Stanton. He's been in a final at Tentuck. I think he won a 15 grander in Montgomery earlier this year. And I'm probably missing one or two others. He's been absolutely on a roll. So that's reason number two. It's been a great year. But reason number three, like, did you see the runs he made on Saturday? Oh, yeah, it was ridiculous. I don't you know. And <laughs> like just in the final alone, when Wes May runs you in the final, it's, it's difficult enough. And when Wes May lays you down 12 dead one, you don't get the win light. Yeah, that's but supposed to. That win. wasn't even close this time. No, that wouldn't have beat any of the last three runs Mikey made. Yeah. <laughs> At five cars, correct me if I'm wrong, Big Jed, because I don't have this in front of me, but I believe with five cars remaining, Mikey lays down nine total. At yep. three cars remaining, Mikey lays down one total. Yes. And in the final, opposite Wes's 13,000s package, Mikey lays down four total. 
Yeah, two dead, two in the final. And, you know, he did that with a couple of different dial-ins. And it wasn't like he was moving his dial-in one number. You know, he moved it a couple of numbers for the final and <laughs> just to try to get a little closer to what would be honest. So a really strong performance by him. I believed it. Not only did he win the 50, I think he backed up his 50 grand win at this very summer race last year. I think he didn't. Did he not win the 50? You're absolutely correct. And defeated another May in the final. That one, he got the win over That's Gary. That's right. That was Gary. So really strong performance. And he's uh, definitely deserving of the Seaver performance. Who's hot this week. Great job. on little Mike Bloomfield. Have you ever seen anything like that, Jed? I mean, to put together three packages like that, like I've seen a handful of people that I can remember do that back to back to back, but not in the last three rounds and not for $50,000. You ever seen anything like that? Not only have I not seen it that I can recall, you know, especially with the moving of the dial in and and those things, the taking the different strategies versus uh, cars at different speeds. And it was really impressive, really impressive. And, you know, there was a lot of not only is he doing it for 50, there was a lot of fanfare around that thing. A lot of people watching, a lot of driving around people in the staging lanes to get out onto the racetrack and you know, Luke, you've done it a million times. That that does add a little degree of excitement for you as a driver. So he, he managed it all really well. No doubt. Impressive. We'll get back to Huntsville a little bit later in the show. But as we typically do, we'll start our results segment with the NHRA National event in Brainerd, Minnesota. It was the second weekend of a back-to-back for the racers up there. Most of the people in attendance were racing at the divisional event a week ago stayed over for the national event this weekend i guess i want to condense the results portion as much as possible because we've got so much to cover but i think national events let's go ahead and and tell everybody every class did yeah uh, top dragster luke was bob fisher over michael krikski top sportsman was brian heath over joseph mohanna super comp our boy trevor larson got himself back in the winner's circle Quickly over Jeremy Deemers. Uh, Super Gas was Jim Davis over Kim Griffiths. Super Stock was Eric Bell over Daryl Dietz. And Stock, no surprise here, a line gets it done. Of course, the odds were in their favor, and it is Ben Line getting the win over Bill Feist. Feisty. Yeah, as I look through that, like you see a lot of the uh, area racers doing well, but also some pretty significant travel in those final rounds. I think, if I'm not mistaken, that top sportsman final is an all-Division 4 final. There ain't nothing in Division 4 oh, wow. goes to Brainerd, Minnesota. Uh, no, that is a long way. And then uh, uh, Eric Bell, that's a Division 7 racer. I believe he calls California home. Mm. That's a long way from Brainerd, Minnesota. So kudos to those guys. One name that we didn't mention that I, I think deserves mention is Gary Stinnett. We talked last week about Stinnett winning the points meet on, which was finished up on Monday at Brainerd, and how that catapulted him into a, a pretty good position in the national points. He mm-hmm. didn't back that up at the national event, but he got close, ran to the semifinals. And if you look through round by round, we talked about some of the rounds that he won at the divisional. He just continued that at the national. Like over the course of the two weeks, I think there was three, maybe four opponents that laid down like 15 total in the other lane, quarter mile, throttle stops involved, and Gary beat all of them. Uh, yeah. He finally lost to Trevor in the semis. I know Jordan Pratt had posted one of our – the only reason I know this is because Jordan's a This Is Bracket Racing Elite member, but he was like perfect, dropped to 91-4, third round besides Stinnett. That didn't work. 
Oh. So not only is Gary piling up the points, he's doing it in impressive fashion, which you would expect no less. He's a four-time NHRA Super Comp World Champion. But this guy, I, I mean, we've been... If you can't tell, I'm engrossed by the this super comp chase. Like this is pretty <laughs> exciting. Between uh, again, like a, basically, it looks like a four horse race between John Labouche Jr., Gary Stinnett, Austin Williams, Nick Folk. With Stinnett's win then semi, he is just 15 points back now of Labouche. Had he been able to go on and win the national, he would have been in the lead. The good news for Gary, again, he's just 15 points back. He's still got four races left to claim. Whereas Labuse only has two or four races left to try to improve his score. The bad news for Gary is that at this point, the worst finish on his ledger is a fourth round loss. So it's difficult to improve. You know what I mean? And the ceiling's not super high, but for him, I would assume, I, I know he's entered at the U.S. Nationals. He won that last year. I think he's won it twice. It would surprise no one if he won it again. He's entered in St. Louis, which I believe he's also won. Divisionals coming up, home division at Earlville, and I would presume that he would save his last one for Vegas. A, because it's smart, because it's likely to be an eight-round race, so there's an extra, what, 11 points there, 10 points there Mm -hmm. on the table. And just having been in that position before, like I'm the one that was sitting at the computer watching live timing um, seven years ago, and Gary Stinnett had to go real deep at the points meet in Las Vegas and Gary Stinnett did go real deep at the points meet in Las Vegas. So if it comes to that and it's little John or Austin or somebody like I feel for you, man, I know exactly what that feels like. So, but it's going to be so interesting to watch Labouche, as I said, a round and a half in the lead, but has just two races remaining, both divisionals. He's improving a third round loss at, at both of those races potentially. So a little bit, one less round that he's got to go to improve, and plus he's already got that round and a half lead. But it's, as I alluded to earlier, it's not just those two. Austin Williams, a little bit further back, I think he's maybe five rounds behind Labuse at this point, but has earlier losses to improve on, and I think has four races remaining. And then Nick Folk, who is in really good position with several races left. Like, I think he can still go to six more events. And like his next divisional still counts full. So I suspect that he will get up there in the mix as well. And I think it's very likely, as I've said before, that all four of these guys put up monumental scores that would typically win the world championship. Only one of them is going to get to hold the trophy. So it's going to be very fun to watch. Yeah, it is going to be very interesting. And um, that's uh, the cream of the crop there, those guys that are battling it out. And so uh, you would expect it to be that tough. So look forward to watching it play out. Yeah. NHRA division side, uh, like we said, made stops in Seattle and Cecil County. We'll start with Seattle. And I think this is interesting because I alluded to this on an episode in the past and how rare it is for the NHRA National Championship to go to Division 6 just because it's so remote. We actually got a message on that. And I got corrected. I said the only Division 6 national champion that I could remember was Jackie Alley. One of our listeners said Ferd, which, duh, okay, Mike Ferder, obviously, former national champion. That's one that I missed, but that's almost, I don't want to say before my time, but I'm thinking that's like late 80s. It's been a while. And Mike Williams, last year's top sportsman champion, but that's a little bit different deal simply because what I had alluded to in that is it's difficult 
to do it from Division 6 just because of the, the travel and logistics, but also because typically those events are shorter rounds, like particularly in Superstock, usually Super Gas, although it hasn't been the point that hasn't been the case this year. Like typically you get into five round races, so there's just less points on the table. Yeah. Top Sportsman and Top Dragster in Division 6 and 7 is a different deal because they're 48 car fields. So there's actually one more round on the table than anywhere else in the country. So that theory didn't really apply to Mike Williams. No, he still had to travel all over Timbuktu. Like, he's from Canada. It ain't, ain't close to nothing. So I'm not taking anything <laughs> yeah. away from Mike's accomplishments, but it is a little bit different deal. But with all of that said, seeing how, I don't want to say how little impact, but how few champions or, or really even championship contenders come out of that Northwest division, I think it's real possible that we look back in two months at this division race in Seattle and say that was a turning point in like two or three classes determining the national championship. We had some big stuff go on up there. I agree. And, and you know, some of that's obviously going to be very obvious when we talk about the results here. But, uh, Luke, I don't know what point you were about to make, but just case in point, top dragster, uh, Paul Nero getting the win over Kyle Seipel, former podcast guest, getting the podcast bump. Paul take credit for that. Yeah, <laughs> Paul. Uh, Paul helped himself a lot with that win. Yeah, it, at first off, it was an awesome final. I think Paul was eight dead on eight. At least that's what Mark's got written here. I, I'm not going to give credit for looking all this up, but the sixteen thousandth package for Paul Nero, knocking off the twenty thousandth package for for Big Nasty. So heck of a final. And with that win, Paul Nero took the national points lead, which obviously looks great on paper. But I'll be completely honest here, and I think Paul would tell you the same thing. His odds of finishing the season as a national champ aren't great just because he's almost out of races. I think he's got two nationals left, but he's improving like a semi or something like that. The only real hope that he would have hoisting the national championship trophy, I think, at year's end would be to win yet again at his last division race. I think there he's improving a first or second round. A win there would bump it up to where potentially nobody could catch him. But Yeah, it wouldn't. Like we talked about, Top Dragster is so wide open. There's so many racers within earshot of that top spot that, like I say, anything less than a win at his last divisional, and I don't think Paul could feel comfortable with that lead. No doubt. And uh, again, don't mean to slide anyone, but uh, trying to get some points made and get through the results as we have so many. So we'll, we'll skip right over to Super Comp, where uh, Trevor Harkema got the win over Tony Arthur. And uh, Trevor, he's been on fire. Yeah, I doesn't really pertain i don't think to a, a national championship but i almost felt bad because like we didn't even mention the race that trevor like ran the table at a month or so ago i think it was a bra big bracket race at woodburn and i, I want to say he won two of the three days plus i believe he's won super comp at another division six event this season so i just want to give a shout out like trevor harkema on a tear but the big story or i guess two big stories to come out of this seattle event the most intriguing one to me is super gas we teased this a little bit mm -hmm. when Chris Cannon runnered up the national event in Sonoma and how on paper, like, he hadn't been many races. He's actually got a shot at Labuse, who just looked untouchable in Supergas particularly. Chris Cannon won again. Supergas at Seattle. At this point, he has attended six division events in 2017, five of which are in his home division, Division 6. He now has four wins. For those of you scoring at home, that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. More impressive, they're all 105-point victories, which a couple of Labusa's wins were five-round races. We only got 95. 
suddenly, like, what was it two weeks ago? We talked about how it's very possible that we'll look back on this season of John LeBron mm-hmm. Jr.'s and say, like, this is the greatest season in NHRA sportsman racing history. And he hasn't done anything to take away from that. But it's very possible. We just talked about Supercomp. It's very possible that Labouche has this unbelievable year. And forget he, like the idea that he doesn't win both national championships. Like It's possible that he doesn't win either one. Wow. What that could, didn't seem possible no, uh, we, we, two we months ago. We never said that two months ago. Absolutely. Now, where Chris, like uh, on paper right now, I actually think Chris Cannon's the favorite. As crazy as that sounds. Easy load. <laughs> on paper. Now, okay. we don't race on paper. I, I get that. <laughs> but the way it sits right now, he's been to just two national events. So his next one counts full. And he's only 70 points behind. So that's like a, a fifth round loss. And he would be even with Labuse. And he would then have a second round loss to improve at a divisional, which he's got two of. A second round loss to improve at a national which after his third, he would still have three more of those. There's a lot of, his ceiling is way, way higher than Labuse's. Yeah. Um, Little John just has two events remaining. I think he's improving like a third and fourth round or something like that. So on paper, you really got to like Chris Cannon's chances. The problem is this for Chris Cannon. Logistically, he's been to two national events. You can claim your, you claim your best three out of the first six that you attend. Okay, so he could Mm -hmm. theoretically could go to four more national events and win one and he's in really good shape. Right. The problem with that is there are only seven national events left on the 2017 calendar and none of them are close to um, Washington State where Chris Cannon lives. Mm. I would assume I think it's a safe bet to say that he will finish the season at Las Vegas and Pomona. So those two, while still not particularly close to home, um, like they're on the right side of the country which in his case is the left side of the country. But like, where would you get the other two? At this point, he's, he's not entered in Indy. I know that would be a haul. Like maybe Gateway and Dallas, but that would be a haul. And maybe yeah. you just roll the dice and say, well, I got two more divisionals. I'll take Vegas and Pomona, and that's fine. But I'm just telling you as somebody that has done that, there is not a more pressure-packed set of events than Vegas, Vegas, Pomona. Like someone that has done that and with needing to win a race to win the world. Just because you get to, and for me, it was the Vegas division race. Like I had to win the race to win the world one year. And everyone seemingly at the facility knows why you're there and what you have to do. And then Reinhardt's up there on the mic, just in case anybody forgot, reminding everybody every round what you have to do. Like it's just... It's a different atmosphere than anything that I've ever been involved in. And it's a tough spot. You know what I mean? Like, even if you just have to go win three rounds there, when you got to do it on command, that's difficult. And then on the other end, like, he's not dealing with Joe Blow. He's dealing with John LaBoost Jr. And I don't know. <laughs> I think that Little John has uh, universal respect, but just from the background that we have Jed and having raced with him for so many years on the big dollar bracket scene, like there is not much more intimidating opponent in the world than a motivated John LaBoose Jr. And that's what you're going to have at these last two division races. Now that doesn't mean he's going to go win one or win them both, but I'm just here to tell you right now, you're going to have to beat him. Like he's not going to choke. 
Like he's going to go out there and make good runs and it may fall into place and it may not, but it would surprise no one if he went out and won his next division race. And then you've got a whole different set of circumstances. So this now I've been saying for a month, super comp was going to be really intriguing. Super gas is looking like a lot of fun too. Yeah, it is. And, um, Ray Ray's he's out there too. He's, he's lurking. So yeah, team Jim, um, that's another one. Don't, uh, don't write off Ray Ray. It, it would take a monumental run to match what those two guys are doing, but Ray Ray's in position and he's certainly talented enough to do it. Yeah. So again, we'll, we'll move along to not all categories, but a, another category, super stock, uh, Justin Lamb, Luke with the win over Roger Comstock, just continuing on a hot streak. Yeah, we talked about Justin's Western Swing a couple years ago, and this is just an extension of that in more ways than one. Like, I'm pretty sure they just left everything at Seattle, went home for a week, and came back. Gets the win in Superstock, which just caps off a run. Sonoma Divisional, Sonoma National, Seattle National. I want to say his worst finish in the Superstock car was the semifinal in those four events. And he is just, that has just catapulted him into, I don't want to say a... Uh, a safe lead or a commanding lead, but I think he's four rounds now ahead of Jody Lang and David Rampey. And again, at least on paper, I say that Justin has now become the favorite to win Superstock based off of this win in Seattle. And by the way, Justin is Team Luke. Yes, he is Team Luke. And uh, obviously going back, uh, getting back on the left coast where he's very familiar with all the facilities and all that. So he's going to be a handful and does look like the favorite for sure. So, Luke, that'll wrap us up for Seattle for all the things that, that we can squeeze in and talk about. Let's let's move across country to Cecil County, Maryland, where they had another Lucas Oil Divisional event. Top dragster, Kyle Cotrera, again, um, a guy that, that's having a really good season, got the win over uh, Stephen Kearns there, and, and he's having a great year already. Didn't we just talk about Kyle last week? We always talk about Kyle, I think. <laughs> he, was, he was one of our trio of, of who's hot. Last week, we couldn't decide. This week, we got a little bit more decisive. So, But no, Kyle just keeps that role going with the top dragster win. Supergas, uh, Team Luke. Team Luke. Mike yeah. Thorne, who is not one that we just talked about as a national championship contender, but he is one like Mike uh, hasn't been to a ton of races Again, would have to get on just a monumental role to contend with Labuse, Cannon, potentially Miller. But I wouldn't put it past that guy either. And the cool part about Mike's win, I think, certainly if you asked him, it was part of a family affair. Yep. As uh, Brian Sawyer got the win in Super Street, family double up. And, you know, talk about we're seeing those kind of things happen a lot here lately but uh, the Sawyer boys are tough in their respective categories and that's no surprise to anyone seeing them accomplish that. Jed I know you are from like a, a racing family we talked about I think we actually put out a call to our listeners to talk about brothers and husband wife teams that have shared success at the same event uh, have you ever done anything like that like with little Rick or any of your family members? Yeah, Little Rick and I have, have went to the winter circle at the same event. We ran in the final a few times, ran my dad in the final, but nothing on a level like this, of course. Right. No, I'm the same way. Jessica and I ran in the final at, uh, at I-57 one night, which is still one of my favorite racing memories ever. But that wasn't at an NHRA divisional or national event or anything like that. So I'm with you. Yeah, that's uh, that's had to be a pretty special deal for Mike and Brian. Um, again, we got a lot of results, and don't mean to slide anybody, but uh, that's pretty much the the most interesting things that happened that we could see there at Cecil County. 
Yeah, before we go to breaking down the IHRA weekend and the uh, big dollar bracket events across the country, Jed, let's pay a couple bills here. I mean, racing RVs. Racing RVs is heavily involved in sportsman drag racing. They headline the NHRA Top Dragster and Top Sportsman Series. They sponsor all of the SFG promotions events, including the World Series of Bracket Racing, the Super Bowl of Bracket Racing, and the Powerball. Racing RVs sponsors racers, including Austin Williams, Disco Dean Carnes, and myself. And they present this podcast that you're listening to. In short, Racing RVs is invested in sportsman drag racing. So when the time comes for you to make an investment in your own RV or trailer, we encourage you to support the company that supports sportsman drag racing. That's Racing RVs. They do it all. New coaches, used units, financing, trade-ins, consignments, you name it, they can take care of you. Visit online at racingrvs.com. If you followed or participated in the off-season practice tree challenge on Facebook, you know that I personally am a huge advocate of routine practice. And the best way to do that, to get the most out of it, is to practice on a real LED tree in your own race car using your own pedals and or buttons. Porta Tree makes doing all of that easy. Their new Eliminator next-gen practice tree has more relevant features than any other practice tree on the market, and its touchscreen makes it very easy to use. The next gen is compatible with both the Portatree National Event Tree and the Portatree Mini. Best of all, Portatree offers vehicle connections that allow you to easily plug these devices into your race car so you can use your own button, even use your own delay box. For more information, call Portatree at 1 800 541 7613. And again, for our listeners, if you call and if you order, use promo code DRAGPOD10, which will give you an extra 10% off through the month of October. All right, Luke, so we'll switch gears a little bit and move over to IHRA. Uh, I had a, an event in Memphis this weekend and some guys we're familiar with uh, had pretty good weekends. Again, we won't get to every class and every result, but some things that were interesting, starting out with Vernon Rowland, a guy from that we know from Blanchard, Oklahoma. He earned both the quick rod and the super rod victories in race number two, which uh, had to be pretty special for Vernon. He's a really good guy. Cooter, Jimmy Hidalgo Jr., uh, went to the super stock and stock finals in race number two. No surprise there. And Marlon Goats reached top sportsman final uh, round in both races, the races one and two. So pretty impressive performances from some guys that we know a little bit about. Speaking of guys we know a little bit about, how about Super Rod? Guys that are pretty near and dear to your racing program, Charlie Stewart, got the win over Carl Watts. Yeah, two guys that have been uh, very closely involved in what I do, particularly in uh, in the Supergas class, really for the last five or six years and, and two of my best friends. So I wanted to, wanted to highlight those guys, say uh, congrats to Charlie and Carl. It was very cool to see us rooting for them. My understanding, Jed, of this event was that it was originally, obviously an IHRA doubleheader, but originally scheduled to run a race Saturday, a race Sunday. They combined those races, ran everything Saturday, which I think made for kind of a long, hot marathon of a day. Mm. For those that were there, there wasn't a ton of cars there. It looked like like 80 uh, entries spread over seven classes. So pretty dismal turnout at Memphis. Mm. But all, as we've said before, all you can do is beat the people that are in front of you. As you mentioned, Cooter, huge weekend again, as we've just come to expect. Yeah. Out of the two races, appeared in three final rounds, winning two of them. Winning stock in race number one, winning super stock in race number two, plus 
runner-up in stock in race number two. And that leads me to say this, Jed. I may have spoken too soon. I went on this tangent and said, it's over. You remember that? <laughs> yeah, I do remember Myron Pytek in, uh, in Stock Eliminator. And I still think it's going to be very difficult to top what Myron has done. I believe, if memory serves me correctly, you get seven races to claim in IHRA points. Myron has three wins, three runner-ups, one semi. That's a tall order. It's hard to beat that. With this weekend now in the books, Cooter has just been to four races. Two wins, two runner-ups. The one thing working against Cooter, as we mentioned, this was a pretty short rounded race. So I think he went one less round to advance to those finals than most of Pytech's scores. So it's still going to put him behind the eight ball when basically you have to make the final at every event. But he's got a shot. And if there's one thing I have learned in uh, in my years of watching racing, particularly in the last decade since Cooter's been like old enough to drive, it's don't bet against that guy. It, maybe Cooter just took my words personally. I think he listens to the podcast and said, well, I'm going to show him. And I know they've got a triple header scheduled this weekend at State Capitol. That's home turf for the Hidalgo family. And nobody would be shocked to see a, a country puppy sweep down there. So who knows what's going to happen in stock. As you mentioned, Marlon Goats, two final rounds over the weekend, a win in race one, a runner-up in race two. Marlon was actually one of the guys that we talked about in the IHRA Showcase episode as somebody that had a couple races left to claim, had a shot at making a move in top sportsman. The points aren't updated, so I'm completely shooting from the hip this weekend and trying to add some math, and the IHRA point system is a little different than the IHRA point system. I'm not super comfortable with it, and I'm not a human calculator. 99% 99% confident in saying that Marlon Goats took a slight lead in the top sports and points chase. But again, same issue here. Those races were just three round races. There's only like seven cars in top sportsman. So a win is a win, a runner-up's a runner-up. But if you're a couple rounds short of what other racers may be winning a runner-up at different parts of the country. So while Marlon takes the lead, not a comfortable lead by any means. And top sportsman, again, still pretty wide open. Another one was uh, Chase Murray got the win in race number one in top dragster. Chase was another one that has a, a legitimate shot at taking home that national championship. Obviously, a win bolsters those hopes. But in a little bit broader picture, Jed, there's seven classes at IHRA events. This race in Memphis had 80 entries spread over seven classes. That's not good. Why, no, don't, not. why don't these races draw more cars? Uh, Luke, you know, we, we've talked a little bit off air about it, but obviously we know NHRA is the, the draw in class and 90 racing. For the, for the sportsman guy, it's hard to get more recognition and prestige from a win than NHRA. It just doesn't happen. So maybe the IHRA is taking a little bit of a back seat there. And while their point series is, is intriguing for the people that, that want to chase their events, I, I can't help but think that winning an event just doesn't have the lure to these guys. It just doesn't mean as much maybe financially and, you know, on the landscape as it does in NHRA, maybe just people just aren't interested for that reason. I don't know. I, I can't figure it out. No, I agree. The The event wins don't have the same cachet. I don't think there's quite as much prestige associated with them. There's certainly not as much money associated with them. Not that winning an NHRA division race is going to break the bank by any means, but man, the last time I looked at IHRA contingency, like it's pretty pitiful. You know what I mean? Yeah. But as you alluded to, two things that come to mind for me. Number one, 
this is outside of IHRA's core region, so to speak. Like this is about as far west as this deal goes, if if I'm not mistaken. And their races in Carolinas and in Ohio and on the East Coast, like they draw much, much better than this. So this yeah. is kind of on the outskirts of their reach, I guess, so to speak. But they've been there long enough, like you would think it would have developed a better following by now. But to your earlier point, I, I really think that you're onto something. And this is funny because when IHRA introduced the Tournament of Champions format, the, what was it, a 32-car runoff in each class? So, yeah. Like, I was not a fan. I was someone that chased the old IHRA point system and said, man, that's not right, that one race decides it. But to your point, they've got Summit involved. Summit's put a lot of money into this IHRA deal. It's $15,000 to win the national championship in each class. I believe it pays back three spots. Pretty decent money. So that's got to be well over $100,000 that Summit's funneled into this. But I can't help but wonder, again, to your point, that's three spots. And the way that they do their points, as we've said before, there are legitimately a dozen plus racers in each class that have to feel like they have a shot to win that. But that's a dozen people going for one prize. When it's expanded to a 32-car shootout, you give more people reason to go. Yeah. And maybe as much as I was not an advocate of that system, maybe that works better for IHRA. Just because, again, you just have more people intrigued and more people feel like they have a chance to compete because it's one race, 32 cars runoff. I, I don't know. Like, that's my only um, kind of hypothesis there. Well, I, I certainly can't figure it out, having not been involved in that type of racing very much in my racing days. But it's a great series. It really is. It's a, it's a great organization. Always been treated well by the IHRA people. And, you know, giving the guys two races in a weekend every time out should mean something. So I don't know what it is, but I hope they find it and, and increase their participation. Real quick, to, we, we talked about all the results, but a couple of things I want to highlight. Carl Watts is also a good buddy of mine uh, from the Birmingham area, which uh, very proud of him. Happy to see him uh, make it to the final round there in Super Rod. So shout out to Carl. And Superstock, as you mentioned, was won on race number two by Cooter. But race number one was won by a family member that uh, don't get in the driver's seat much, but he makes it count when he does, Rick Pennington. Everybody knows my cousin, little Rick. Uh, he, he does lots and lots of different kinds of racing and very successful. But uh, his dad gets in the seat of that straight shift Malibu Classic super stalker from time to time and he makes it count he's been out three times this year and won two times so uh shout out to rick with a straight ship yeah i mean that's when you old old guy like that and you're in the pennington family that's the only way you know how to race with a straight shift so (laughs) really happy to see rick get the win great job by him and um you know it's uh as you mentioned it wasn't a big crowd but it's still hard to win and he got it done so great job rick that's awesome. Itray also made its way to uh, Empire Dragway up in uh, upstate New York. This had a much uh, or significantly better turnout than Memphis. Um, and again, that's kind of more, I don't necessarily know that in, that uh, New York is in the heart of Itray country, but Empire had an Itray national event for probably the last three decades, seemingly. So 
a little bit more history built up there. But again, as this thing shakes down, I believe with this weekend in the books, there are either three or four more of these IHRA doubleheader weekends coming up that are going to determine these national championships. And Empire brought some pretty significant swings in the points and also big weekends, multiple finals for Billy Ryan and Hot Rod. Pete Dagnolo in Superstock, we'll talk about a little bit as we go as it pertains to points. Tony Fabiano in Superrod. How's that for a top 10 name, Jim? <laughs> yeah, anything close to Fabio is a top 10 name, and that's close <laughs> enough. <laughs> Fabiano, runner-up in race one to Tommy Allen, and runner-up in race two. John Hayek, a couple of finals in stock. I believe he split them. I think there was one win, one runner-up for, uh, for John. And... How about Paige Montgomery in the uh, junior dragster ranks, Jed? Yeah, really impressive. Uh, four consecutive wins in five consecutive finals. So I've been to five finals in a row for that young lady and got four or five 80% clip in finals and going to that many in a row. Uh, deserves some recognition. So great job, Paige Montgomery. What the heck happened in that first one? Uh, yeah, no kidding. I mean, <laughs> Just kidding, uh, Paige. Something must have broke. <laughs> Again, not going to go through every single result, but as it pertains to the points chase, and again, this hasn't been updated by HRA, so I'm kind of shooting from the hip. If I miss you, I'm sorry. The biggest story here was Dagnolo with the, what was it, a winner and a runner-up in Superstock. That gives him a significant lead in the Superstock points chase, and it's just a, a show-out weekend at your home track. I know that's where... That that place is basically home for Pete and the Fletcher boys and, and in that area. So good to see him do well there. And like I say, that's likely, I know Mark Nowicki will have something to say about this, but that's likely to catapult Pete into the IHRA National Championship. Quick Rod winner on Saturday was Gary Fleener. Fleener was one that we mentioned in our IHRA breakdown as somebody that hadn't been to a lot of races, had good scores, had a shot. Obviously, the win helps, but at this point, I really can't see anyone overtaking Danny Waters Jr. in uh, in Quick Rod, but Fleener one step closer. And in Top Sportsman, with his win, Scott Wasco is in position to, again, make a run at that Top Sportsman title. We talked about Marlon Goats taking the lead. Wasco is another one that hasn't been to a ton of events, is making his way up the ladder, and I think probably on paper... I feel fairly confident saying that he's got the best looking opportunity, but there's still races to be run and rounds to be won for Scott Wasco, but he's got a pretty good shot. Yeah. And Luke, uh, Chris Ferguson and Travis Colangelo, again, another guy there you're very familiar with. It's close to your racing program. Those guys made big jumps in the top dragster class. Uh, and looks like uh, they both have a shot. Uh, so Yeah, Travis, yeah. runner-up in race one on Saturday. And Ferguson actually came into the event a couple rounds ahead of Travis. Both of them, again, several events left to claim. Ferguson made the trip to New York from somewhere in Florida, Fort Lauderdale, I think. That's not close, mm. <laughs> but he made it pay off with the Sunday win. And I don't know that he would become the favorite to win top dragster because, again, that thing is wide open. But he is absolutely in the mix up there with uh, Ivy and Talisano and uh, a number of other racers that are going to contend for this top dragster title. It's going to go right down to the wire. All right. So, look, that wraps up sanction stuff. Again, I uh, hate we couldn't cover everything, but again, there's a lot of racing right now. Let's get over to some bracket racing, big buck bracket racing. And, and you and I both were at the DragRaceResults.com Ultimate Series presented by American Race Cars 
Where would this I weekend. Try to block it from my memory. <laughs> you trying to block that one too? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it was uh, it was an awesome race. Scott, Nicole, Megan, the Lemon family, along with the great folks at Huntsville Dragway. Racing surface was phenomenal for me, and uh, it looked like it was for everyone, even in that kind of heat. Everybody worked hard, gave us great racing. Everything got in as scheduled and had some big winners. And like you said earlier in the show, uh, they were all over our camp as uh, one of yours and my great friends got the win on Friday's 20K, Brian Robinson. Well, I guess there was uh, technically there was a um, there was a Thursday warm-up race that's right josh ludke got the win in that put on a show doing it too yeah ludke got that done uh, about the time i was getting there i believe oh and actually no they quit about the time i got there they wrapped that up friday morning didn't they the last five cars yeah, so ludke the last two or three rounds his worst light was two so that's tough oh. to <laughs> especially for me <laughs> so friday's 20k uh, went off without a hitch and our great buddy bt on bte's own brian robinson uh, brought the dragster out and got the win over Nick Smith. I believe Nick's from Oklahoma, if I remember correctly. That is right. Nick, uh, having a banner season, he was winner of one of the $25,000 races at Memphis back in was that March or April. Yep, I think you're right. And, uh, you know, great to see Brian get the win. Um, his wife got there, Cassie got there maybe a round or two just in time to, to watch it, her and Dylan, and had a lot of great friends and family there in the winter circle. It was awesome to see Brian get that win. Very deserving. A guy that doesn't get out quite as much as he used to, but, man, when he does, he is a force to be reckoned with. So really proud to see Brian get that done. Funny Brian Robinson story. I've, if those of you that don't know, Brian was the best man at my wedding, probably my best friend in, in life. Brian and I met, I don't know, 15 years ago, bracket race and things like that well he got into nhra racing there for a few years won the nhra super gas world championship in 2004 and i don't know if much of our listener base is familiar with the area in which brian lives but there are you jed i know you know oh yeah a myriad of of racing facilities that yes. you don't know anything about until you live in that area like you have never heard of most of the racetracks where brian robinson grew up okay yeah and I'm not going to name names here because I don't, I don't mean to degrade any of the facilities. Like I've been to most of them and love them, but uh, I was yes. at one of these uh, small tracks and in Mississippi, by the way, when they refer, like when most of us refer to the long track, we are talking about a quarter mile race in Mississippi. The long track is a full eighth because yeah. most of these facilities don't have enough shutdown area to run a full eighth mile. So you have a lot of 550 foot, 580-foot, 600-foot racetracks, okay? Yes, you well, do. Well, I'm at one of these facilities with, with Brian on a Sunday running foot break or something like that, and I'm standing at the fence, and keep in mind, I know, like, three people there, you know, one of them being Brian. And uh, this old boy walks up to me on the fence. I'm watching Brian race, and, so, and this is, like, 2008, nine, so five years removed from his world championship, Okay. And uh, this this old boy walks up to the fence and says, man, I'm so proud of Brian. He's really turning into a pretty good little racer, isn't he? I went, yeah, I mean, he, he did win the world championship five years ago. Huh? 
Brian, Brian Robinson? <laughs> I go, yeah. No, man, not our Brian. <laughs> so that's just how sheltered from the rest of the world that little area is. <laughs> so I know you can appreciate, Jed. I don't know if that yes, played I very can. well for the for our, for a national audience, but I I got tickled by that. So <laughs> yeah, that that that's definitely true. Everything, every word you said is is spot on there. So Brian is from a little small town, but he races big. Uh, as we mentioned in the Seabird Performance, who's hot, Luke, uh, Saturday rolled in with the 50 grand on the line. And, you know, anytime you're racing for that kind of money, the atmosphere seems to just serious up a little bit. And it felt that way to me on uh, Saturday. And I was, My it was, it didn't have any problems seriousing up a little bit. I'll tell you that yeah, much. I exited the program <laughs> second round there. Um, that, that got out early, but. It was uh, it was excellent racing all day, and again, Mikey Bloomfield, Little Mike, come out on top over West May. A couple of guys that's very familiar with the uh, the winter circle and and big money bracket racing winter circles, and it was cool to see uh, Chad Axford too get to the semis there. Chad, guy that has moved out from the left coast and come out here to pursue uh, big money racing a little harder and, and give himself a shot. And he showed he's got as much talent as anybody there with a semifinal finish. Jed, I don't know exactly how this shakes down. I correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think that they've updated the Dragers Results Ultimate Series points just yet. And I'm sure we'll talk more about this as the the final event comes up in about a month. Now, keep in mind they've only gotten four races in to this point. They this was finally a weekend we got some nice weather in Huntsville. I'm sure that Scott and Nicole and TT were happy to see that. Um, oh no doubt. But I would assume back to the the fifty thousand dollar final. I would assume that Mikey and Wes, if they're not leading the points they are in the mix it seems like they've been deep in every race randy shewer another one that's got to be up there and that's a little bit um harder to keep up with this year because you can't double enter same car so i'm not sure that they had the right number on the the entry that went rounds but i would assume that those three if they're not the top three are certainly in the mix contending for that championship this season yeah all those guys seem to turn on their share of wind lights outside of the great performance that they had on saturday so i would think you're right luke i know come in bo boatner was leading but, and bo had a decent weekend but yeah, not, sure to, not, not what he was looking for i'm sure he is sunday wrapped up and as we talked about my goodness it was hot and you know interestingly enough this guy was parked right across from me and uh, got me to do something that i thought i would never do it was Saturday on our way to Longhorn. You were there. Just before I left, they said, hey, come on over here. Won't you try this? Got over there, and they had, we know that Wade White got the win on Sunday. And we know that Wade White is an oyster farmer. And uh, they got me to try an oyster. Look, there's my first oyster. I'm 46 years old. I've been to the beach plenty and, you know, been to the coast on several few different coasts where you eat that kind of stuff. And. I've always avoided it. They look a little slimy to me. I, I agree. Guess. The texture couldn't do it. worries me a little bit. You hadn't had one? I don't believe I have, Jed. So, wow. Yeah, uh-huh. so maybe I need to go see Wade. But well, you need to go see story. Wade. <laughs> well, they finally they talked me into it, and I went on and ate one, and, man, it was wonderful. And I think it was partially because of the way they dress it up. They baked it or something. They did it just right. And he's an oyster farmer, so he knows what they need. But Wade got me to try my first oyster. Uh, actually, Wade's better half got me to try my first oyster, and it was phenomenal. So I want to give Wade a special shout-out for that. I thank you for that, number one. 
Congratulations on the Sunday 20K win, number two. And he got the win over another great friend of ours, uh, Brad Pluard. Great to see Brad make his way to a final round there. Had uh, a little little trouble in the final round that caused uh, Wade to get an easier win than Brad wanted him to get. But it was great to see him wrap up his weekend in the final round. A couple of really good guys there. Wade was perfect on the tree in the final, was he not? He was, I think. Yeah, perfect. A triple oh six or something like that. That fourth digit, I, I'm over that. Man. I'm not a fan. Like I just, I had two on the weekend, triple zero red lights, the perfect red light. Okay, I don't need that. Y'all can just round that to a to a negative one. I'm playing with that. Yeah. And as an announcer, I, I find myself giving the packages. You know, he was a he was twenty four pack and he was sixteen pack. Margin of victory was seven thou. Well, no, it had to be eight thou, but it says seven because the ten thousandths are all convoluting it, and it's like, you know what? I just want it gone. Yeah, I'm not a fan because, like, I got one ticket. I'm negative triple zero six. What do you want me to do? Put six ten thousandths in the delay box? <laughs> just tell me I'm negative one. Now, yeah. I had another one. I took. Uh, I was double oh eight. Take thirty two ten thousandths and needed to take twenty eight ten thousandths. Just tell me eight take three didn't work. That's fine. Just we, yeah. can, we can simplify this a little bit. Yeah, I would like to see that done. <laughs> speaking of Brad, Brad has a, he's got something coming up, a little two race adventure that's going to be rather interesting, Luke. I'm really looking forward to this because I am going to be at these two races. Most of you know, I'm sure, Brad Plourd. One of the most versatile drivers in all of sports and drag racing has won yes. national events in five different classes, I think. Um, and and has won how many? There's a one for you, Jed. How many people have won national events in five different classes and foot break at Bayleton? I bet that's a short <laughs> one. <list. laughs> one. Brad has done it in in just about every car imaginable, class imaginable, and he's been all over the world doing this. Um, but he's never done anything quite like he's about to do. Um, he's entered in stock and competition eliminator, um, be it Bowling Green this weekend and in Indy. Um, stock is nothing new. I believe he's taken Bones Camaro, is he not? He is. Um, comp. Is a little bit different. Brad's run comp before in a couple of different varieties, but uh, what he will be shooing the next two weeks is a blown, altered contraption of some fashion, correct? <laughs> That's as good a description as you can give. Um, but it, as crazy as that sounds, and like it's fast, right? Like low, it is. Low six second range fast? Yes, it is fast and it, it blows its index out I of the water. That was the I'm, point I'm, that I'm, I'm, I should tell that. But. Yeah, it's fast, A, like if it just goes like 50 under. I think the index is like 704. Um, but I think they're capable of going really fast. And this isn't just a hodgepodge deal. This is a, a team and a crew chief that has won before. And I think Brad's going to have a very realistic shot to um, compete both at Bowling Green and obviously the the main reason to do all this is at Indy. Um, he's a two-time U.S. Nationals winner in the past. Uh, Super Comp and Stock, correct? Yes. Um, would be really cool to see him add Competition Eliminator. And I think if this car performs um, to its potential, that's very realistic. But you're also asking him to make, um, what, like five or six runs in the mid to low six-second range in a buggy. So, good luck, Brad. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I've seen this car. I've seen video of it going down the track, and uh, it scares me, but it doesn't scare Brad. And it is a really good piece, high-quality right. piece. It's uh, It's got uh, people backing it that's that's uh, got it in control. I mean, it's not some wild beast trying to wreck every time it goes down the track. You can say whatever um, you want, Jed. He's in a buggy with 2,000 horsepower between his legs. Good luck, Brad. <laughs> it will be interesting. Brad certainly trying to add another category to his list of national wins or even a divisional, uh, if that's the case, at Bowling Green. But Either way, we do wish him luck, and uh, it's going to be fun to watch it play out. So, Luke, there's more big buck bracket racing that uh, that we need to cover quickly and they had um, a large event that the beaver big buck blast which uh, would be a top 10 event name for me forever uh, at beaver springs pennsylvania that's a, a legendary racing facility shout and out to mark this our our assistant mark romeo was at this event this is the reason that we're talking about this not that it's not a big event but i don't know that it would have come on our radar but mark asked hey i was here this is the guys did a really good job it's a fun event can you talk about it we're gonna talk about it yeah it just you know mark put in the notes it's an awesome little track in central pennsylvania and it's never seen an event like this you know beaver bob again a legendary track owner and promoter that uh, has had tons of of great ideas and events up there but just never seemed to to go after this part of racing and with the help of Jason Weaver. I know Jason well. Uh, Jason's a, a very successful racer in his own right, bottom bulb, top bulb. He has been the World Foot Brake Challenge quite a few times, and he and Beaver Bob put it on, and uh, looks like it, it performed extremely well with car counts in the mid-200s on Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, they packed him in there. That's awesome. Yeah, it looked like it. Uh, Saturday um, had a $7,500 to win race, and uh, they said it got rained out after the first round. So um, I guess that round was complete. So they just split that purse among the remaining racers. Uh, had a had a big storm and seemed to create a lot of havoc, tearing things up, easy ups and awnings and all that. But uh, it's like everybody got it cleaned up and got the, the racing facility back ready to go. So uh, Friday had a 32 car shootout in box for four grand. Um, Steve Marincheck got the win over Mike Holland. Uh, no box, same thing. And uh, my buddies Russ Benish and Marty Flagel ran the final there with uh, Russ getting the win. A couple of guys I'm pretty familiar with. Yeah, those are two familiar names. Yeah, yeah, they've done their share of winning on the bottom. Uh, junior Dragsters had a uh, thousand to win race where Elaine Cayley got the win over Mallory Stewart. And uh, Sunday had a five grander Luke with uh, box class seeing Jeff Duck, which would be a top ten name, getting the win over Bradley Doss. And uh, Bradley has performed before participated at the wfc is that any relation to dead on charlie doss i don't know if it is or not i just remember uh should be yeah yeah i remember uh mr dildine every time that charlie doss had staged dead on charlie doss in the left lane so i don't know if there's any relation or not maybe think of that yeah so and no Jeff box no duck no he wasn't and the, i mean duck in your last name that's awesome heck yeah uh, no box was um, a, another couple of guys I'm very familiar with that has won a ton, and that's Bubba Black getting the win over Matt Obertanic. Good buddies there as well. So they had a, a great winter circle celebration. 
And the $500 junior race was Kyle Penn over Sabrina. And man, that's a, I'm just going to go with Dooch or maybe Duche. Yeah, I'm going to say Duche. I'll stick with that. Yeah. But uh, great event there. Congrats to Jason Weaver. He he worked extremely hard, and and the folks at Beaver Springs that like they had a wonderful event. So great to see that for the locals and, and everybody that was able to travel in. Jed, we've had a fun show. Let's take this opportunity to tick some people off. This uh, <laughs> we're gonna get back. This is what really got the podcast rolling back uh, months ago. We we uh, we got involved in this all state discussion. A race came of it. And, uh, but we, we became very inflammatory. Um, so I've yeah. got a, I got a, I issued a challenge to you earlier this week, Jed. I'm interested to see how this goes out. We are less than three weeks away from the inaugural all state challenge at Memphis. I know you're fired up about it. I'm fired up about it. We're both team captains. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. And we have been pumping this thing for six months. Um, yep. We've gone through the rosters in each class. We've kind of picked not necessarily the favorites, but the, the racers that we had a little feel for. Um, today I want to talk about teams. And this is, like I say, there is a lot of, uh, is civic pride the, the right way to, to go about this? There's a lot of civic pride involved here. Uh, there is a ton. Repping their states, repping their regions, repping their area. My question for you, Jed, and again, we'll do something fun with this each of the next few weeks, but, um, if you had to pick, just looking at the team rosters, your top five, your five favorites to take home the team championship. Yep. Let's go through them. We'll count them back, count them down back and forth. Start at five, end at one. And how are you All doing right. this? Are, are Illinois and Alabama in play or no? You better believe they okay. are. All right, here we go. <laughs> so, I, I, Luke, what I try to do is look at the teams that seem to have – had some continuity remain in place. You know, there's there's been people drop out, people making posts, hey, I need this class, I need that class, which says to me, yeah, I still might get a great driver, but, you know, it might not yeah, have reaching. this. Right. <laughs> That's what it says to me, I'm reaching. So I looked at those teams and, and you know, that's uh, there were several of them. So my number five team is South Carolina. Uh, that team, to me, I know those racers well, easily could be number one, but South Carolina, to me, fit in the number five spot. I like that. They were on my short list, uh, and that South Carolina team, am I looking at the updated list here, Did I've got Shane Maddox, Joe Gary, Jay Norris, Kenneth Stott, Brooke Hall Gary, KB, and Scott Duggins. That's the list I was working from. I can't say that it's 100% accurate, okay, but I hope well, it is. At least we are working from the same list then. Um, I'm with you. Obviously, we broke all of this down to, to start this thing off. But A, number one, those were teams that we picked back in December and January. Yep. Um, and number two, as you said, like I think continuity matters. I also think that... While not a lot has changed necessarily in eight or nine months, like the racers that I thought were good then, I still think they're good racers. But yep. I do think that there is some value in momentum. So some of my and, – and the difference between number one and number 20 in this thing is scant. 
So yes, it is. When I picked my top five, I did give some credence to who's been hot lately. Like who is rolling that I I think could just continue that role. Um, so uh, short South Carolina, I think is a great pick that was on my short list. It didn't quite crack my top five. And again, we may have five completely separate states here, which is the cool part about the all state challenge. Um, yeah. my number five, I went with the state of Indiana, um, who's one that we talked about earlier in the year. I don't think that they advance very deep in our, um, our little competition, but I like this Indiana team. Mark Seymour, uh, top bulb dragster has done everything there is to do in our sport. Um, Gary May needs no introduction. Top ball door car. Marty McKinney, bad dude on the bottom. Scotty Stillings, we talked about him early in the show, the stock super stock representative. Stacy Gerald, the female representative. I don't know if a lot of people are familiar with Stacy. I know Stacy well. Very, very talented racer. Typically bottom ball racer, but I assume she'll have a box in for the female competition. Um, oh, yeah, sure. Sean Langdon in 890. And Wes May as your utility driver. Um, that's a stout group. I, I like that Indiana team. Yeah. They're, they're in my five hole. Yeah, it's a nasty group. And uh, I, I didn't uh, have all the uh, information on the, the competitors in each class. So forgive me for not breaking it down as well as you, but I never do. So I'll move forward with my number four. And again, it's a team full of talent that could easily be the top pick. And that is Team Louisiana which will be team Louisiana when I get to <laughs> when I get to Memphis. Uh, shout out to Cody Hardy. <laughs> it's funny. My my number four is also Louisiana. Uh, I, I think that they rightfully have a spot in the top five, and I believe that that team has been unchanged really from the team that we introduced as Louisiana. Is that right? Or Cody? I believe. Mm-hmm. I believe you're absolutely right. Yes. Uh, so you're going – four on louisiana as did i in agreement there yeah uh, man it really starts getting tough for me here um actually i thought it started getting tough at 10 (laughs) yeah i had eight teams listed and uh, i i felt like any of them can win it and and that that's not just out of that eight it's all of them any of them can win it but uh it got really tough for me but i'm going number three with team florida uh that's tremendous amount of talent and probably as far as bracket racing goes i i don't know if there's a more accomplished well i I don't think there can be a more accomplished team than what florida represents so uh that team's extremely talented and going to be hard to handle but um i've still somehow only landed them in the number three spot yeah like you say you could mix and match any of our top fives and and probably some of the the States that we each had just outside of the top five cut line, I agree. For five, I went with Kentucky um, just because, A, that group has arguably um, the best racer in the history of sports and drag racing. Even though he doesn't race much anymore, I ain't betting against Scotty Richardson. Scotty's in the utility hole. Um, Tyler B. in stock superstock. Erica Baker on the female side, Nick Morris, stock superstock, Lucas Walker in the bottom bulb, uh, Adam Klein, top bulb door car, Josh Baker, top bulb dragster. That is a crew without a weak link. Um, you, yeah. you could um, handicap each class, and, and if you picked all of those as the winners, like I don't think I could argue. So uh, no, I, I agree. I, I like Kentucky. I got them in the three-hole. That's a really strong team. Definitely somebody that I I, I had my eye on. But um, number two, 
And this team, again, just full of amazing talent. And I'm sure they're going to show that, and that is Team Ohio. A lot of strong. agreement again. Okay. Yeah. I'll let you talk about Ohio. So you, well, I, like, again, I don't have a breakdown, uh, like prepared like you did, but, um, you know, obviously with, uh, Skinny Kenny and, uh, uh, Randy Shire and those guys, uh, I, by the way, I got to meet Randy this weekend, uh, very, very talented racer. And he made sure that he let me know that he settled the, the debate between who's better in just about whether, <laughs> from Ohio or Alabama as he got by Timmy Smith. So he, he, he made sure I knew that, but he may uh, well have to do that again in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I hope he does. Uh, but uh, Ohio, again, uh, they they didn't have a lot of opportunities there this weekend at the DRR series, but those guys are great racers, and the ones that were from Ohio performed well, like always, and um, that, that team stout, Luke. Yeah, without question. And again, this is kind of scary. We were in agreement on number four. We're in agreement on number two. I also have that uh, Ohio team in the two-hole. Um, as you mentioned, Skinny Kenny in the door car, Randy, uh, Shire in the dragster side, plus you have Randy Biddle Jr. in the bottom ball, Michael Beard, stock super stock, uh, Jessica Arnold is the female representative, Jacob Elrod in 890, and Nasty Nick as the utility driver. And how could you pick a different utility driver, especially this year? Um, that's a stout, stout team. Yes, it is. And um, certainly going to be a force to be reckoned with, but Luke, it, it got down to my number one uh, team, and, you know, obviously we had our uh, kind of pretend. I wonder where you could be going here, Jeff. <laughs> we, we had our pretend um, All-State Challenge on the podcast early in the show, and I took a lot of flack for the team that I picked, but, uh, you know, I love these guys, and... Something I like about them right now is they just really don't give a crap. They don't <laughs> they don't care about who's watching the All-State Challenge. I don't think they're paying attention. I don't think they're hearing the smack talk. I don't think they give a rip. And for that reason, I am going to back my Alabama Slammers, and I'm going to be a homer. So bring it on on Facebook, Twitter. If you got my number, text me. I don't give a rip. I'm going to be like the rest of my team. I'm going number one. Alabama Slammers. Oh, I love it. Who possibly expected you to go any other way? I just can't do it, Luke. I understand. I I, I understand. Uh, Roll Tide. Um, The... Yeah, I'm. <laughs> you know how much respect I have for that Alabama team. We we bantered it back and forth um, eight nine months ago, and, and it would surprise no one if they pull this off. But for reasons that I mentioned earlier, like I just like for the most part, the several members of your team have had like the worst season that they've had in years. Um, yeah. Now maybe they're just saving it all up for three weeks from now, and again that would surprise no one. But. Ow. Alabama is actually one that slid off of my top five for this. Um, for my number one seed, so to speak, uh, I'm taking a state that uh, that you had mentioned earlier. I think you had them in the three hole. I am going with Florida for the top spot um, for many of the same reasons that you mentioned. Um, stacked group, experienced group, maybe the most accomplished group in this. And just talking to some of those guys like Troy Williams Jr. is the team captain. And between Troy and Gary 
and even um, Ray Ray and Siegel. Like, I've just caught like an overwhelming amount of that civic pride that we talked about. Like, they are very serious about this. They're very fired up. Like, case in point, Gary, this weekend, Huntsville, was driving Kenny Underwood's Camaro. I said, you know, usually you see Gary in two dragsters. Gary, what are you doing in that? Man, I'm drive- I'm in that door car deal at the at the Allstate deal, and this is the car I'm going to drive. I just want to get used to it. I don't hear anybody else doing that. A little practice. Yeah. I mean, they're, this deal, and just knowing Troy the way that I do, like, he has been fired up about this since it was announced. Uh, yeah. and, and rightfully so, like they have a lot of pride in their area. And again, if you just go through the list, top bulb dragster, Troy Williams Jr., top bulb door car, Gary Williams, bottom bulb door car, Tim Butler, who we talked about on the show eight months ago. Um, if you don't know who Tim Butler is, like go back and do some, reading. Yeah. like Butler's done it all. Um, Stock Superstock, Kevin Helms, who we had to check the legitimacy of that. And I, I know Troy's <laughs> caught some flack. Kevin just recently moved to Florida, has a Florida driver's license. Female Marie Muller, who's one that I just oozed um, compliments of for uh, when we talked about the female yeah. section. She's my pick to win the female. I think she's awesome. Ray Ray in 890. Um, and John Siegel is the utility. Like, that's, that's a stout team. They're my pick. So. Yeah, it's it's crazy good team and uh look that the names on that list if you just started asking people who who do you think will win not only in those their categories but in the bracket race or any other type of race and those are the names that that you just pick you know you pick the Williams brothers you pick Siegel you pick uh Helms so uh, obviously Tim Butler so why why would I have them in the number 3 spot I wanted to justify that just a little bit because those guys are so aggressive. They're gonna. There's gonna be some one and two reds that are gonna hurt them. And Alabama, our conservative Alabama group, is gonna stay in the <laughs> ten range, and we're gonna we're gonna slide through. That's see. I I, I went Luke Bogaggi. I would had somewhat prepared my my talks and my reasons. So I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm fired up about it. My honorable mention, although we didn't have this planned, was Tennessee, Illinois, and Texas. Uh, three teams that I, I I look at on paper that look stupid good, and I I was uh, for my five hole I think I was in very much consideration between Tennessee and Indiana, and I think part of the reason that I left Tennessee off was I was sure that you would include them. I cannot believe we did not mention that Tennessee team, but um, that just goes to speak to the depth of this. And to your point, like not so much an honorable mention, but if you just wanted to pick a dark horse, a, a team that like you just couldn't go through and, and say, well, apples to apples, they don't have the accomplishments of some of these teams that we just mentioned. But I really like that Ontario group. And I like how fired up they are about this event. Like I've talked to several of those guys that this event is like the one of the marquee things that they've ever done or certainly one of the biggest events that they'll go to this year. And they are jacked up and it would not surprise me a bit if a team like that, or specifically the team from Ontario came in here and made a huge run. Yeah, no, I wouldn't surprise me at all for them. That, that is a, a lot of people might not recognize, recognize the names on the list, but it's a talented group. They're coming a long way. They're obviously going to be very serious. So uh, them and along with everybody else that's going to show up. I know there's been a little bit of turbulence in the, the teams that um, a couple of teams have uh, unfortunately had to remove their name from the list. I won't 
I won't talk about those. Uh, we'll let Galen and Britt uh, talk about that in their own time. But um, it's still going to be very big, and it's going to be awesome. And it is happening September the 8th to the 10th. Uh, you and I are going to be there, and I'm really excited to see it play out. Yeah, just a quick recap. My top five, number five, Indiana, number four, Louisiana, number three, Kentucky, number two, Ohio, number one, Florida. Jed? South Carolina in the number five spot, Louisiana in the number four spot, Florida in the number three spot, Ohio number two, which just like college football, they're number two, and Alabama's number one. Roll Tide, I put Ohio number two, and Tennessee was not in the top five, only to make Rick Bear mad. Bring it on, Bear. I'm ready for you, son. That's at JP11X, everyone. You can (laughs) at him with your comments, and uh, can we just... All together now, Jed. Three, two, one. Roll tide. Tide. <laughs> and if you want to be a champ, take double O. Be double O. Take double O. Be double O. All right, folks, we have kept you here long enough. We said we would not have a guest this episode. We'd surely keep this up in under an hour. We have failed. We like to talk. That wraps up episode 40. Thank you to our sponsors, Portatree, Seabird Performance, Racing RVs. As always, thanks PJ North and our assistant, Mark Romeo, for their help. If you've got ideas for the show, message us on Facebook. That's the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. Or contact Mark directly again, Mark Romeo. Once again, we are doing our best to bring the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast to you every single week. That's 52 weeks out of the calendar year. So subscribe and tune in. Absolutely, folks. As uh, Luke mentioned, subscribe. Go to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher. We're on all the major hosts. Look up the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed and subscribe. It's very simple. You get the app on your phone, the podcast app, and when you subscribe, it gives you the red number and tells you here's a show for you to listen to and you get it before everybody else. So make sure you hit that subscribe button when you find us and tell your friends. The show is growing, and we know that's through you, the listener. So make sure you tell your friends and get them involved and have them listening in as well. Get your track involved. We want to give your track a shout-out, but we can only do it if you tell us they're playing the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast during their downtime. So get them involved, and uh, let's keep growing this show and and keeping good recognition for our sport and the people within it. And be sure to join our Facebook community. That's the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page. You can touch base with us there, or you can reach out to us on Twitter. Luke is at Luke Bogacki, B-O-G-A-C-K-I, and I am at JP11X, as he mentioned earlier after my little shout-out to Ohio and Alabama. So thank you for that, Luke. Guys, reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Message us, send a post on our Facebook page, or hit us up on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you, and we appreciate you listening, and look forward to seeing you all or talking to you again next week. Yeah, thanks everybody for listening. We will touch base a week from now. See you guys. Banging on the door, bump, bump, bump until I get it in. Attitude like I am already winning in. Foot breaking in anything. Bottom bobbing for a 10. I'm rolling in the cutty switching feet like Jerry Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer 
to who you want to be as a racer, led by knowledgeable professionals. Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors, and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is, at each event, there are 100-plus entries. There's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.